the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Word already existed. The Word was without beginning. The Word has always been. The Word is eternal. The Word is self-existent. The Word, as we've noticed in Scripture, is Jesus. Hi there. Welcome to Study Verse by Verse. Pastor Leighton Sheely continues with our series on sharing Jesus. Some of the key points of just exactly what we are sharing. And there are five of them. In fact, Pastor Leighton will begin with a brief review to get us up to speed. And then we'll take a look at this one point that when we share the gospel, we are sharing the fact that Jesus is in fact God in human form. Here's Pastor Leighton with all the details. Now, these are the five points. The first point that we learned was that because of God's grace, heaven is a free gift. It is not earned or deserved. Can we say that together? Because of God's grace, heaven is a free gift. It is not earned or deserved. Now, thanks, men, for putting them up this week. Uh, they're, they're projected up there, and that'll give you a chance to write it down and so forth. So you can carry it with you through the week, refer to it in the morning, memorize it in the course of the day. Um, but I'm going to challenge you today, if you need to, glance up there to get a hint, but glance away so you can commit this statement to memory. Let's say it again. Because of God's grace, heaven is a free gift. It is not earned or deserved. Then the second statement we learned was, man is a sinner and cannot save himself. Say it again. Man is a sinner and cannot save himself. Let's go to the third point. This is the one we learned last week. God is merciful and does not want to punish us, but God is also just and must punish sin. Let's say it again. God is merciful and does not want to punish us, but God is also just and must punish sin. Then the statement we're going to learn this week is, the Lord Jesus Christ is God in human form and purchased a place in heaven for us, which he offers as a free gift. Let's say it together. The Lord Jesus Christ is God in human form and purchased a place in heaven for us, which he offers as a free gift. Let's say it again. The Lord Jesus Christ is God in human form and purchased a place in heaven for us, which he offers as a free gift. And then next week, should the Lord tarry, we're going to learn the statement, God's gift of salvation is received through saving faith. But our attention this week is on statement number four, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, if we were to take that statement and and put it into its four parts, I think it might be simpler to learn it rather than be one long line. I know it's been a long time since a lot of us did memorization. So what we're, uh, we're breaking it into four parts. The Lord Jesus Christ, that describes the subject. This is what we're talking about. The Lord Jesus Christ, who He is... He is God in human form. What He did, He purchased a place in heaven for us. And then that last statement, which He offers as a free gift, it refers back to the first statement. Heaven is a free gift. So if we break it down, who? We're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is He? God in human form. What did He do? Purchase a place in heaven for us, uh, which He offers as a free gift. We can see how that statement ties together. Can we say it together? The Lord Jesus Christ is God in human form and purchased a place in heaven for us, 
which he offers as a free gift. Now, it's important for us to understand who Jesus is, because he could only accomplish what he claims to have accomplished by being who he claimed to be. Now, you'll notice that the statement is put in the present tense, who is Jesus? If Jesus had died and remained dead, then it would be appropriate to say, who was Jesus? And make the statement in the past tense. But Jesus did not remain dead. He is alive today. And so we ask the question, who is Jesus? And that's the question a lot of people are asking. So let's look at what the Bible has to say about who is Jesus. I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles to turn and turn to John chapter 1. Now, in the course of our study today, there's going to be Scripture verses that are projected here, but when I ask you to turn, I invite you to do so, even though the the verses are projected, because these are questions that we're getting the answers for from Scriptures, and I want you to be able to, wherever it is that you are, somebody asks you, who does the Bible say Jesus is? You know where to go in your Bible to answer that question. Okay, there are a lot of unbiblical opinions about Jesus. I remember... um, number of years back, Craig Roberts was on Lifeline, and he made an announcement, a declaration. He said that two-thirds of the cults in America uh, were founded or are headquartered in the San Francisco Bay Area. Two-thirds of the cults in America were founded or headquartered in the San Francisco Bay Area. So there are a lot of unbiblical opinions about who Jesus is uh, here in the Bay Area. If you were to ask a typical kid college kids say who Jesus is or was, they would probably say something along the lines of he was a a great teacher or he was an idealist. If you were to ask a Muslim, they would say that Jesus was a prophet, the last great prophet before Muhammad. And then if you were to ask a Jehovah's Witness, they would say that Jesus was just a God. And if you were to ask a Mormon, they would say that Jesus was a man who became God. There are many unbiblical opinions about who Jesus is, so we want to know what the Bible has to say about who Jesus is. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Skipping down to verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, to summarize, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. This passage begins with the statement, in the beginning. Somebody might ask, well, in the beginning of what? That's a good question. Well, the Scripture doesn't specify. So at whatever point you select to be the beginning, whether it's recorded history or mankind's existence or creation, at whatever point you want to call the beginning, the Word was already there. The Word already existed. The Word was without beginning. The Word has always been. The Word is eternal. The Word is self-existent. Now, not only did the Word exist in the beginning, but God also existed because in the beginning, the Word was with God. That is, having a conscious personal existence distinct from God. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means it doesn't make any sense for me to say, I was with myself. Or, my car was with my car. In order for something or someone to be with another, each must be distinct from the other. If John had not provided now the third description, we might deduce at this point, based on the information we have, that there were two distinct entities in the beginning, and from this might misconstrue all kinds of things, like 
for instance, suggesting that these two, God and the Word, were perhaps at enmity with each other in a struggle for dominance. But the Apostle John provides a third description that provides all at once a clarity that there is but one God. John added, the Word was God. Now, Jehovah's Witnesses translate this clause, the Word was a God, and that is an incorrect translation. It says the Word was God. What does that mean? It means that the Word was one and the same in substance and essence, possessed of an essential or, or proper divinity. What does it mean? Well, it means that each one of these three brief but powerful statements is a complement of the other, correcting, correcting any potential misunderstandings which the others might give some space or room for. If this verse is correctly understood, it helps clarify the doctrine of the Trinity. What this verse says is the Word is eternal. The Word is in relationship to God, the Father, and the Word is God. The Bible teaches us that there is but one God, and that one God exists in three persons, and that we call the Trinity. Now, Wayne Grudem in his Systematic Theology says, we may define the doctrine of the Trinity as follows. God eternally exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And each person is fully God, and there is one God. The doctrine of the Trinity is one of the most important doctrines of the Christian faith. Uh, to study the Bible's teachings concerning the Trinity gives us great insight into one of the main questions that people have. What is God like in Himself? The word Trinity is not found in the Bible, although the idea is represented in many places. The word Trinity means triunity, or three in oneness. And it's a word that's used to summarize the teaching of Scripture that God is three persons, yet one God. The Trinity was introduced to us in the Old Testament. Some people think it was just introduced to us in the New Testament, but not really. It was introduced to us in the Old Testament. For instance, even as far back as the beginning, Genesis, the first book, chapter 1, the, verse, the first chapter. The first chapter of the first book of the Bible, God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. So we have here is God, singular entity, describing himself in plural terminology. Let us, plural, make man in our plural image. Now, uh, that's also found as well in Genesis chapter 3, verse 22, after mankind sinned. Uh, Behold, the man has become like one of us, plural, knowing good and evil. It's also in, found in Genesis chapter 11, after man tried to build the tower, which we call Babel. God said, come, let us, plural, go down and there confuse their language. And Isaiah 6, 8, remember Isaiah 6 uh, begins with Isaiah coming into the temple and seeing the Lord high and lifted up and His train filled the temple. In verse 8 of that chapter, chapter uh, Isaiah 6, 8, God says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And so here in this one sentence, this statement from God, he uses both the singular and the plural. Whom shall I, single, singular, send, and who will go for us? Plural. There are cases in the Old Testament where it describes God speaking with God, God speaking with Himself. For instance, in Psalm 110, David says, The Lord says to my Lord, 
Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And then there's this interesting passage that's found in Isaiah chapter 48. It says, come closer and listen to this. From the beginning, I've told you plainly what would happen. And now the sovereign Lord and His Spirit have sent me with this message. Now, you might at first glance think, well, He sent me, that is the prophet, the prophet who is speaking with this message. But the next verse goes on to clarify. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. And then it continues with the message, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is good for you. So the message sent from the Sovereign Lord and His Spirit isn't coming through the prophet, but rather the Lord your Redeemer. The Lord who redeems is Jesus. Well, Jesus Christ is God in human form. He is as much God as if He were not man, but He is also as much man as if He were not God. And that is the truth we've been exploring here today as we study verse by verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. To catch up with all that's gone on so far in our series, Sharing Jesus, you can visit our website, highlands.us. And this is also an invitation to join us here at Church of the Highlands. For all the information, directions, and details, again, you'll find it at our website, highlands.us. Until tomorrow, and for Pastor Leighton Sheely, God bless. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.